So today, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for over a week now, Deb Johnson, Managing Director and Chief Learning Officer of Deloitte Tech Academy. Uh, Deb, it's so wonderful to have you on. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. And let me start with what might be a simple question for you, and you can take this in several different directions, but I think you're fond of a saying by Nelson Mandela that hopefully I get right, and that is, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. Why is that a favorite saying of yours? Yeah, no, you you said it perfectly, and it is one of my favorites. Um, I guess because it captures so well in his words what I, I really believe, uh, education is the most powerful weapon. Uh, and when I think about um, the opportunities that exist for, for people in the world, you know, skills, particularly technology skills in these days are, are really the gateway to opportunity. Uh, when I think about um, Delight Technology Academy, I, I, you know, when we started this, I was excited about it because I felt this was really our opportunity to embody that truth by being deliberate and thoughtful in our approach. Um, that, you know, this was an ambitious vision, right? That we were going to make Deloitte the place for technology skills development uh, and that it would be open to all professionals, all 170,000 of our people, uh, that we'd have learner assessments to match people to the, the training that was right for them. Uh, and when operating at scale, we'd be training tens of thousands of people annually. Um, and, uh, you know, in addition to supporting critical business needs, really enabling our diversity, equity, and inclusion goals, um, because it would allow us to hire from a much broader pool of talent than, than we would have historically, uh, and really invest in upskilling them. So um, the idea of promoting equity through educational opportunity is just exciting to me. So this is amazing to scale quality education to over 170,000 people is not a small feat. Can you share a little bit about the rationale and roadmap of Deloitte Technology Academy, where you are today, how you got here, and where do you think you're going to take it? Sure. Um, uh, and I'll caveat everything by saying this is a journey and we're still on it. So what you're getting is, is where we are today. Um, but just to back up a little bit, um, the Technology Academy was part of a broader a set of learning and development investments that the, the firm uh, has made a commitment to, uh, which we call Project 120. Uh, that name is inspired by um, the, the maximum speed of thought, 120 meters per second. Uh, and uh, Project 120 uh, was really a commitment, um, a $1.4 billion investment uh, that the firm committed to um, as a way to really invest in our people. Uh, and to set a new standard for learning and development. I should say that um, as a professional services firm, it's a very luxurious place to be a learning professional, right? We, we don't have a lot of products. We don't have a lot of, of buildings. We don't have a lot of manufacturing facilities. We have people, right? And, and so Deloitte has a long tradition of investing in our people, but this was really a recognition that uh, the, the pace of change in the world uh, is accelerating every every year. The pandemic, I think, was an even more of an accelerator. 
uh, and what our people need to know and absorb uh, on an ongoing basis had just reached the scale where we just couldn't keep doing what we were doing. We needed to really make a significant investment. Um, and that's not just our current people, but you know, if you think about the pace of hiring. So over the last year, uh, we've added almost 60,000 people. Uh, and so the, the volume of new hires and upskilling um, just you know, required us to do things at a, a new scale we hadn't done before. So uh, Project 120 includes the Technology Academy, which I lead, um, but it also includes investments in um, what we call leadership and human potential. It's all of our, our kind of focus on leadership development on on what we call uh, enduring human capabilities, right? What, what makes us the best people we can be, uh, both at work and at home, and some uh, enhancements to our infrastructure, the largest of which was our, our effort around... Um, digital credentialing, workforce digital credentialing, to really understand uh, and be deliberate about capturing and credentializing the skills that our people have uh, so that that can flow through all of our talent processes. Absolutely fascinating. So to do this globally, 170,000 people, I think there probably were some core questions that you wrestled with initially, and that is, what should we be teaching? But with the pandemic and with other disruptions, I think maybe a natural follow-up question was, well, where should we be teaching this and how should we be teaching this? And so can you speak a little bit to the where and how and maybe any surprises that you had as you uh, went into this endeavor? Yeah, and I, I'll say the where and the how, um, and even the what is something we grapple with every day, every week, right? Um, when we started this, so this initiative was initially approved by, uh, by Deloitte's board in October of 2021. Um, so at that point, we were still kind of in lockdown. There wasn't a lot of travel happening. Uh, and we really started with the idea that this was technology uh, enabled, right? It was, it was going to be virtual. It was going to be distributed. Um, but as things have opened up, as our people have, um, you know, started to move around the country and come into our offices, there was a real feeling that although people didn't want to travel all the time and they didn't want to be road warriors, you know, the, the way a lot of professional services firms had been over the years, Learning was a moment when it mattered and they wanted to be together. And there was this, this sort of asking for um, the community associated with being in a classroom together. Uh, and as time has gone on, we have shifted an enormous amount back to in-person, um, either at Deloitte University, which is our, our, uh, our sort of signature training campus. We have one in Westlake, uh, one in Hyderabad and various other places around the world, Mexico City. Um, so, uh, you know, either there or uh, even in our local offices. So we do um, one of the programs that my team worked on in the last year is a, a pretty intensive um, boot camp, technology boot camp we do for, for new hires. And it's actually a 12-week experience, including four weeks of a kind of a mock or a shadow project. Uh, and there was just insistence from the, the part of of all of our leaders that that actually happened in person. We bring people into the office for that full duration. Um, and so they get to learn in that environment and they get to 
build community being together. Um, and that has turned out to be actually um, pretty transformational, especially because we have so many new hires and uh, they might be working on projects that are just kind of Zoom and a paycheck. Uh, and so the chance to, to be together and, and build a learning community has been really valued by people. Well, I, I have this natural follow-up question. And Jess, I want to turn it over to you because I'm sure Deb is prompting so many thoughts on your end. But for me, in fact, I had this conversation a day or two ago, we were talking about generative AI and some of the anxiety that that is really surfacing across all industries. And you mentioned that the, the pace of change is just increasing. Um, in terms of curriculum and how you best, I think the phrase you used was, you know, how do we make our people better people? How do we make our teams better teams? In terms of the curriculum itself, is this really designed or is some of it designed for these individuals to understand, hey, how, how can this new technology complement or supplement what I do and, and how, do we, how do we scale that? I mean, I would just think, Deb, that you are constantly, we are all constantly trying to play catch up with all of this wonderful technology that is, that is, uh, that, that is being developed. Um, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. So, um, you know, absolutely generative AI is, I uh, put, put everybody in, in my world and in the world in general into this sort of tailspin of, you know, oh my, oh my God, what have we unleashed on ourselves? Um, but, I think for me, so I sort of separate out in my mind generative AI as a topic for training, right? How do we help our people understand it versus generative AI as a enabler of training, right? It's not only what we teach, but how we teach it. Um, and we're sort of actively exploring both. So I think in the space of generative AI as a topic, um, yeah, I mean, my team sort of got put into an all-out sprint, right? What, you know, we are almost to the end of a 30-day commitment that I, I made to our leaders that, you know, we are going to we are gonna have a, a, a course, a ton of a 101 course available for the whole firm, um, just to sort of level set on what is this thing, right? What does that even mean, generative AI, and what is it capable of? Um, for our first level of our technology curriculum, which we call Tech Savvy, it's sort of uh, conversational competence, right? Could you have a conversation about it? as opposed to our more advanced levels, which, you know, are sort of fingers on keyboard, right? Um, so the, the, we are pushing now on the initial level um, and hoping to have a course ready very, very soon to roll out because the, the demand is intense and, and it, it is, um, you know, if you think about Deloitte's workforce, right? We have auditors, uh, tax accountants, um, consultants, um, uh, you know, risk and, and litigation support professionals. It's a very broad range of, of the kind of work people do with their clients. And yet uh, we believe that all of those jobs are likely to be affected in some way by AI, um, generative AI. In most cases, I think supplemented. So it becomes a how you work with the technology, how you understand how to get the best out of it. One of the courses we're building now um, beyond the 101 is a prompt engineering course, right? How do you ask the right questions to get the information that you're actually looking for? 
Um, so those kinds of skills. Um, but on the on the side of you know AI as a enabler of of training, um, there are a lot of questions now. And and my firm, my my um, team is really pushing on that. You know, could we get the AI to write assessment questions for us? For example, one of the hardest things you do is you build a course and then you want to have an assessment at the end. It's like not super fun to go through and write you know 100 test test questions. Wouldn't it be nice if right? But but then there's a whole set of intellectual property questions and privacy and security questions. And we are working through, so <laughs> I love Deloitte. I've been there a long time, but we have got to have the most risk averse uh, legal and risk team ever, right? We're, we're a firm that's all about public trust. And so we hold ourselves to an exceptionally high standard on risk management. Um, so I think jury's still out on, you know, what, what are safe, ethical applications of the technology to how we do our work? Um, and that's, I think, something we're going to be working on for the next, I don't know, year, for, forever, right? And as the technology continues to evolve. Jess, has this prompted anything on your end? Any questions? Yeah, a ton. Um, <laughs> the first is, so we, we've actually, so I own a couple of different businesses and, mm -hmm. and we keep thinking about some of the AI stuff that we're doing in this, uh, in my media company, Greystoke Networks, um, has bled over into what might become a whole new company for us. We've been talking to a number of government clients about building um, custom knowledge bases that are essentially air-gapped from the world, but very queryable. And uh, anyways, there's probably some offline conversations for it that could be interesting to have there. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, like thinking about all these things, um, <clears throat> My interest so often is for the high growth CEO who's now having to do learning and development at scale. You know, at first they could tell everybody in the company what they wanted to have happen. And they had a sense for who was good at it and who needed some extra handholding or who needed to go take a course or, right? And then, you know, the, the size of the team might start jumping and then start jumping by decimal points. You know, they went from a dozen, two dozens, two hundreds, and maybe they're in that, that you know, first thousand or two employees. And all of a sudden it's like, it's all different ballgame, right? And that, yeah. that might be only be a 36-month period where, you know, experts like yourself may have had years years to raise to this seniority level, right? And yeah. so thinking about kind of like, you know, high-growth CEOs may not even know what questions to ask. Um, if you were being advised, if you were advising some high-growth CEO who's saying, okay, they're facing all the same things Deloitte is facing and how are we going to upskill our people? How are we going to how are we going to work with or not work with AI? And and these kind of questions. Well, maybe one of the first couple of topics that you would uh, advise them to think hard about. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, there are many ways to learn new skills, right? And some of those things lend themselves to read a book or watch a short video, and other things really need to be practiced and you have to have feedback on them. Um, and I guess my first piece of advice would be think about the range of skills that your people need to have and try to sort of match the solution to the need, right? Not everything has to be, um, you know, a, a two-day in-person class, but some things can really only be taught that way. Uh, and I think where we get into trouble is when we, we sort of mix and match. So, um, typically, so Deloitte University uh, has the subheading, the Leadership Center. Uh, and much of what gets delivered there in person 
um, is leadership development stuff, right? Where, where being together and having a chance to practice how you give someone else feedback or how you um, communicate effectively and get feedback from a live person who sort of says, well, you did okay here. You might want to think differently. That's invaluable uh, and is very difficult to replicate uh, in other mediums. Um, other things like, you know, how to how to code in Java. I mean, you there's sort of a right way and a wrong way and you can learn it and there's tons of good training out there. Um, so I think that would be my first is think about what are the skills you need to build. I think the second is, um, and it's always a balance, uh, even for us, between what as an organization we think our people need to know versus what they want and need to know for their own growth and development. And the more agency you can give people over how they invest their time, particularly adult learners, if they don't want to be in that room, it doesn't matter how good the course is, they're tuned out. Um, so thinking about, you know, carrots versus sticks and how you make it attractive for people and give them agency about where they invest their time versus, um, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're used to being the one who gets to make all the decisions, you can't necessarily decide what everybody else is going to learn because they may have different ideas. Um, so those are two I'd start with. Yeah. You know, I want to follow up on what you were talking about with the feedback loop. Like I'm thinking about, um, in my observation, there's so much training that happens in corporate America that would be better lumped in with like employee perk uh, vacation from doing your day job rather than <laughs> skill building, right? And, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's those courses where somebody comes out and goes, oh my gosh, that, changed, that my changed my career. That changed my life. I, I like, I am so much better at what I need to do because I was there. And inevitably, my observation is those courses come with feedback. And it's not, we're not measuring, did people stay in their seat till PowerPoint was over? There's like proficiency testing at the end, yeah. right? Like, can you actually do what you were supposed to practice? And and then when it works, people, just like consumer consumer sales of any type, what employee tells the other employee, like, that actually worked. Like, you you got to go to that great. class. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So thinking about this idea of making the class magnetic at, and and specifically by having it work, having enough feedback that their their skill building both measurably goes up and they get that sense of achievement worth talking to their coworkers about. Yeah. Any recommendations about how uh, all of us leaders could have our learning intelligence have more yeah. of that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, first of all, I think there's a, a level of intentionality, right? So um, you can... Um, you get better attention from people if they understand what's in it for them. So we tend to start a program like that with some sort of um, goal setting or intentionality on the part of that learner, right? They have to say, I am here to do X. Um, then um, adults learn really only through reflection. So you have to have many moments throughout the day which are pause to reflect, right? What did I learn? And that's the stuff that, um, you know, in the facilitator guide, people love to skip through that. Oh, we're supposed to do a reflection at the end of the day, but if we skip it, we can all, you know, be at happy hour, you know, and a half an hour earlier. Do not skip the reflection. That is really the part that um, makes it stick. Uh, and then I think the more, you know, having really skilled facilitators help, right? We invest a lot in, um, 
making sure our instructors are as great as they can be. doesn't matter how good the content is, a, a not so great facilitator will ruin it. Um, and, you know, things that sort of help people to face themselves. One of the things we do in, in our, one of our most successful uh, communication skills workshop is we actually videotape, you know, so people get up, they have to present, they get videotaped doing it, and then they go in a small room with a facilitator and they watch the video together and yet you just can't argue with the evidence that you are confronted with, right? So those, anything you can do like that to help people really see themselves and really reflect makes a big difference. You know, I, I really identify with that. I think one of the advantages of doing this show is that what I'm mostly supposed to do is shut up. Uh, and I'd struggle with that sometimes, but, um, it really is such an advantage to get world-class experts like yourself and then get the chance to both be listening to you, but also reflecting of like, oh, how does that show up in my life? How does that show up in, in the companies that I run? Um, and uh, it, it makes so much sense. Spencer, what kind of questions is this bringing up for you? Well, Deb, I think you have a front row seat to some really meaningful global like phenomenon that's taking place right now where you've got the future of work on this side of the equation and then you've got the future of learning on this other side and for me as I've been listening to you it's a question of are each of these independent or should these be commingled should these be combined and one of the things that prompted this thought in addition to listening to you now is something that was uh, picked up in in your your I think it was your latest 2023 human capital report where it said that the way we organize jobs right or the way we organize work right now is within an organization is primarily at the job level but only one out of every five CEOs is like, yeah, that's the best way we should be doing this. More and more of them are saying, hey, the best way we should be organizing has really nothing to do with job definition or title or credential. It has more to do with skills and overall skill set. And so can you speak to a little bit if you see kind of this dichotomy between the future of work and the future of learning and how perhaps these two are really coming together and how that might be evidenced in Project 120. Yeah, so there's a lot there. Let me try to unpack. I, yeah. I think, um, so there is certainly an interplay between the future of work and the future of learning, right? As a, as a a corporate learning professional, my job is to prepare people to do the work that they have to do. So as as the work changes, the, the learning changes. Um, that being said, it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg problem, right? Because, uh, you know, my, my crystal ball is a little cloudy, right? It's hard for me to design against a future of work that isn't perfectly well understood or defined. Uh, and so we we sort of I and the you know sort of business leaders that I work closely with, we, we sort of go back and forth on 
you know, they say, you need to train my people for the future of work. And I say, great, what would you like them to do? Well, we're not sure yet. So um, we, we go back and forth on that. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the focus on skills, you're absolutely right. The focus on skills is a little bit the key we see is the key to sort of breaking that, that, that tension or that dichotomy, right? If the more we can make our, our learning curriculum modular around specific skills, then it's easier to sort of assemble it into a learning pathway that's useful for an individual regardless so we've been very focused on skills and sort of becoming a skills-based talent organization, not just a learning organization, so that we can understand what are the skills it takes to do this particular thing that our clients need doing. Um, you know, how do we break that down to the right unit? Uh, and how do we create a, 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 a Lego block, right? A, a piece of, of learning solution that is appropriate for that skill, that teaches that skill so that we can then assemble those building blocks in you know, rapidly and in, in an agile way as the future of work evolves. Um, so that's sort of how we're thinking about it. But I, I expect it to be, um, you know, one of the top challenges for learning professionals going forward is how do you move fast enough to move at the pace of business and, and the, the, you know, see far enough into the future to be able to plan for the future of work as best you can. I mean, learning used to be something uh, you could sort of build a course and it would last, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great course for five years. I think now if it's a great course for nine months, you've, you've done, you've done well. Uh, and so we're, we're having to move faster and faster. With you being the largest professional service services company in the world, I believe, are you finding that more of your clients are seeking you out as they wrestle with scaling learning and kind of a skills-based architecture within their organization? Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of what our human capital practice does uh, in working with clients. But we we get asked all the time, I get asked, you know, uh, hey, can you come and speak to this this client because they're interested in what Deloitte is doing? I think there's a, you know, I'm proud to say there is a recognition that De Deloitte is a, a company that that does invest in its people and and has you know sort of been leading in the learning and development space. And clients are very interested to see you know, are you eating your own dog food, right? Are you are you doing to yourself what you tell us we should do? Um, and so we are absolutely. Um, seeing that interest both in kind of the the leadership and human potential space of our curriculum, but also in the technology space. We've had a lot of clients express interest in, you know, how we're upskilling our people around AI or around cloud um, or cybersecurity, you know, some of the big areas that we, we tackle in the technology academy, for sure, for sure. And it's um, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting for me, although that's one of those you got to be careful what you ask for because my job is supposed to be focused on on our people and once you open the door to clients then uh it, it grows rapidly well i would think across industries there certainly are nuances but there are also recognizable patterns and so thinking about an organization and i think jess 
touched upon this too, thinking about an organization that really wants to dive headfirst into a skills-based framework. What are some of the biggest obstacles or barriers that you've seen, perhaps externally to Deloitte or maybe internally uh, at Deloitte that really prevents someone from being successful? Uh you mean it being successful in terms of implementing a skills strategy yes. or yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, this is a vocabulary problem. I mean, the biggest <laughs> challenge we have is agreeing on the set of skills, right? Because if you think about um, what somebody who uh, does learning, right? What's the way we would define skills? Well, we would define them the way you'd write learning objectives against them. But that's very different from how somebody who's hiring might want to list skills that, you know, when they do a job posting, they're doing it at a slightly different level of detail. And our people who are doing what we call de deployment, basically matching people to client engagements, well, they're looking at a slightly different set of skills um, and getting all of those groups to a common vernacular on what are the skills that matter and doing it in a way that... Um, it can be updated quickly, right? I mean, it, if it take us six months to agree on a set of skills, well, that list is already out of date, right? So we need something dynamic uh, that serves all of those different needs. Uh, and that is incredibly challenging to do, um, particularly at a, the you know size and scale of, of Deloitte or of, of many of our clients. Um, it seems simple, but it's just getting the vocabulary has been a huge hurdle for us. I love hearing that, you know, vocabulary coming up with a common language that transcends industry can be challenging. Jess, what is this prompting for you? Um, well, I, I kind of want to take a little bit of uh, a turn here and talk more about Deb because I think <laughs> about all of that and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I focus so often on the high growth CEO and advice for them and my fascination with them and trying to become one of them. But I'm also really fascinated with people who are the high achievers at whatever their sport is. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm interested, you know, I've got a passion for learning development. Anyways, there are so many L&D professionals that would love to be in such a senior position, helping 175, 170,000 folks, uh, you know, a, a recent $1.4 billion investment in L&D, that's just part of it, right? Um, and, and they haven't got there and they won't get there. What do you think is different about you? Why have you been able to achieve what so many others can't? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think partly it's a function of the diversity of my background. Honestly, I I did not start out to be a learning professional. I actually started out as a strategy consultant, um, and so I have a sort of a a different lens on how to talk to business leaders about what it is that they're trying to accomplish. I think the mistake that, you know, I, I, I've seen learning colleagues make is they want to talk about learning nerd stuff, right? You know, where you're going to love this adaptive pathway, whatever it is. And fine, but you sort of see the business leaders glaze over, right? What they want to hear is, are you or are you not going to improve my bottom line, right? How is what you are doing directly contributing to my goals. And I think that's getting 
getting so that you can speak to a business counterpart in a language that makes sense to them, I think has been hugely important for me um, and, and something I, I continually sort of strive for and, and try to remember. I think partly it's just, um, I don't know, right place, right time, right? I mean, I've, I've been at Deloitte really like an embarrassingly long time, almost 30 years. Uh, and I've had many different roles there and, and, um, it, we're a, you know, Deloitte's a private partnership. It's very much a, um, uh, a, a community and network. And, and at this point, I feel like I, I know so many people and I've built relationships over so many years, trusting relationships that, that I've been given opportunities that maybe I didn't, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I didn't deserve, but I got them because of, of, the track record that I had and the relationships that I had. And um, that's hard to replicate. I don't know how to give that as advice other than kind of think about, organi- you know, I- I'm here all this time because of the, the focus of the organization on its people. So if you want to have those kind of people in your organization, be that kind of organization, right? I- I've had so many different careers and so many different opportunities there working with amazing people um, that although at various points I've sort of thought, played around with, should I leave? Should I go somewhere else? Um, There was never anything better than what I could do internally at at, at the firm. Um, So I think, uh, you know, figuring out where, what's a company that you believe in, in terms of its values, its purpose, commit to it, be there, build those relationships and, and figure out how to talk like a business person. That's it. That's the secret. Okay. Let's just transcribe that up. The book, <laughs> book, book by Deb. I, th- I actually think that would be an interesting book. If you took those I- items individually into chapters and then reflected on them, I, I-, I think that actually would be like a great, you know, those like bunks for exec- busy executives. <laughs> they're like, they're not full of fluff. You like yeah, get yeah. right to the point, right? Um, I want to follow up on it, though. When you think about this idea of jumping into things that maybe you weren't 100% qualified for and that that um, you're willing to take on a challenge that wasn't a guaranteed an output because you've done it a thousand times. I mean, yeah. isn't that what high growth CEOs are doing all the time, right? And uh, for sure. hopefully folks all over their, all over their uh, careers. But when you think about what helped you um, get through the uncertainty and learn quickly and get results, in those scenarios where, uh, you know, you were you were newer to that skill set, what do you think it was? I think it's the people you surround yourself with. I um, I'm a big believer that um, in it's servant leadership, right? I I'm there. My job is to make it possible for my team to do their job. Um, so I focus on hiring the best possible, smartest, sharpest, most qualified people to surround myself with. And then I let them tell me what they need uh, and where we should go. Um, and I'm always surprised at leaders that don't do that, right? Or, or clients that that pay for consultants and then don't take their advice, right? Like it's if you're going to um, surround yourself with great people and then and then let them help you, uh, I think that's certainly been the the secret of my success. And shout out to my current team, which um, is I think the best team. Best team, hashtag best team ever. Like they're really an amazing, an amazing group of people. Oh, that's great. 
Well, I know we're about out of time. Spencer, do you want to finish us off with a last question here? Yeah, maybe just a lightning question. We've been talking books and book chapters, and Deb, it looks like you've got a few books behind you. Uh, who are you reading right now? What are you reading? Where is there a movie? Is there a podcast? Is there something that is really inspiring you right mm -hmm. now as you move Project 120 forward and the Deloitte uh, Tech Academy? What do you keep going back to in your mind? Does something <laughs> stick out? I'm not going to answer this the way you, you the way I probably should, which is with some thoughtful business tome. Um, actually, the the thing that I try to keep in mind um, is the mindset of our learners, which for us is, you know, much younger than me, much more tech savvy than me. Um, and I try. So I have two teenagers, uh, and and I watch and read whatever they are watching and reading because I feel like that's the closest I can get to putting myself in the shoes of the people whom I'm trying to get to be excited about my learning, right? So the last movie I saw was Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, which was amazing. And I'm currently reading the latest Rick Reardon book, which is, you know, his, his new uh, uh, follow-up to Trials of Apollo, uh, because I, I, I honestly think the, one of the hardest things for those of us who are not as young as we used to be, is to just remember that our version of the world, and maybe this goes back to future of work, is not the version that our next generation is growing up with. And, and what they, what holds their attention and catches their interest and the level of tech savvy they bring to their everyday life is so far beyond uh, where we were at that age. Well, in a household that also has teenagers, Deb, what you have just articulated could have been in my home. I mean, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, um, you know, recording. I mean, all, all of this great stuff. I, I think that is such great advice to try to understand what the, you know, younger generation is, is learning how they're consuming information. Oh, that's wonderful advice. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Plus, it's more fun to read that stuff. Yeah. Well, um, this has been so great. Um, if people want to connect with you, is LinkedIn the best place or where yep. should they be? Absolutely. And, and what about candidates that are like, I want to work for Deloitte and get all that learning? <laughs> <laughs> so where we are always hiring. We are always hiring. You can go to Deloitte.com. Uh, that's where all of our postings are. And, and uh, can you can search and apply there. Please do. Well, uh, thanks again Mick, for making time for this. This has been great. It was my pleasure. It was it was really fun. Thank you, Deb. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.